Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Mississippi Magic. We've done quite a few of these already. If you're bored at home, driving around, or, you know, made your last peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and you're looking for something on podcasts that doesn't require an investment of three days, join us. So now let's get to this next story. If you ask Walter what true freedom of the open road looks like, he would most likely answer it looks like a bicycle. Once you hear Walter's story, you'll understand. It's the story of a Mississippian whose life was in a pull-and-tug battle that pushed him to the breaking point. For a lifetime of treasures left behind and a path that gives wisdom to future generations, wisdom about following their dreams, Walter's story needs to be told. Plus, within this brief episode of Mississippi Magic, you might even learn something new about one of Mississippi's favorite artists whose works were nearly stolen by a force no one could control. And you know, it's a story that may resonate with so many who listen to this episode. Maybe you, an incredibly talented man who was pushed to the very emotional limits in a struggle to choose a career he loved over one that provided income without satisfaction. But first, some things you can control with the help of Divinity Equipment. The Divinity Equipment team at both locations are gearing up for spring, If uh, last season the jobs were bigger than what you could tame, like an undersized mower for an oversized job, then why not begin today to solve that problem for not only spring, but for years to come? Come on, it's time. Divinity Equipment has the price, the service, the financing, and the selection to make this the spring that you look forward to in tackling that job giving you more time to accomplish other tasks. Divinity Equipment is on Highway 51 North in Madison and 1023 Divinity Drive in Jackson. Also as close as DivinityEquipment.com. Check them out. Now let's unfold the story of another famous Mississippian on this episode called The Curse of the Widgets. Walter was a product of the South. His mother was a member of a prominent Crescent City family, and his dad was a successful broker. Walter was a smart kid who had a passion for expressing himself through drawings and paintings, a trait most likely inherited from mom because she was a pretty accomplished artist herself. Talents his parents recognized and with some modicum of success were able to refine with further education. Walt got a train ticket from New Orleans to New York and enrolled in one of the most celebrated institutions called the New York School of Fine and Applied Arts. Success there won him a scholarship to Penn Academy of Fine Arts and from there to a traveling scholarship to France for four years. Walt studied the masters before making a decision to come back home. Back home where he missed the feel of the sand and the waves of the Gulf beaches, watching the pelicans on cruise control and formation inches above the ocean. He joined his brother in a business that nearly drove him crazy. I'll tell you why. You see, Peter, Walter's brother, owned a pottery shop. And, well, Walt was talented in painting the pottery from plates to flower vases. That's what they were called because they were relatively inexpensive. Today, those same treasures would be called vases. A short while later, the business expanded to include a ceramic figurine addition, and that that kept Peter and Walter busy. But maybe in the classic case of success being your downfall, 
Walt's path was not the one of his choosing. When demand increased for Walt's figurines, he started a business with his younger brother, James. He did that not to fulfill his artistic expression on some tourist souvenirs, but to make enough money to marry Agnes, the art student he met in college. History shows she would later put in writing an account of their marriage in both the good and turbulent times. For Walt felt trapped by Agnes, by James, by the success of figurines, not just upset, but emotional overload. A man so distraught and watching his life, his talents, his passion, his calling. All slip by, day by day by day. On something as commercially insignificant as widgets. <laughs> In that one word that he described the final product of his talents, his studies abroad, and his life to this point, that one word described the emotional overload. Widgets. The product of Walt's existence on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. It was in that memoir of their life together that Agnes revealed the pressure of Walt's anger and feeling almost imprisoned by the circumstances, circumstances he couldn't control that kept him from his passion of painting. Of course, most of you know that Walt is Walter Anderson. Certainly, if you grew up anywhere on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, you know his story and you know his works. And if you appreciate Mississippi art and history, Walter Anderson was one of the giants his style was as incredible and unique as Walter himself. Now, about a year after his marriage to Agnes, there was an art appreciation program called the Public Works of Art Project that came to Walter with an offer to paint a mural in the auditorium at the local school in Ocean Springs. That he did. It was the escape valve he needed to release the increasing tensions building inside him because of the curse of the widgets. Now, for the next four years, from the confines of his home on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, Walter Anderson produced some of the most exquisite artwork in the nation, some that are on display in prestigious art galleries outside Mississippi as well. From brilliant oil paintings that depicted scenes in history to commissioned portraits, and a mastery use of watercolors that brought to life the treasures of the Mississippi Gulf Coast, from birds to butterflies and wildflowers. The mural was a needed expression of talent for Walter but it wasn't enough to pay the bills. And ultimately, Walter was forced to return to the curse of the widgets. While viewed by others as a beautiful figurine, to Walter was nothing more than a symbol of failure. Tension grew between his passion, his wife, and the ultimate path of his life. There did come a breaking point. It came for the famous Mississippian in 1937. The first blow was a turn from excitement to disappointment when he was asked to paint a second mural. This one surely would put his art career in high gear to profitability. It was a commission for a massive mural in the capital city's courthouse. History includes a bit of disagreement as to what happened. Maybe it was just political red tape, or some bureaucrat in Washington, D.C., who had no appreciation for art. Whatever it was, he received word that the project he wanted so badly was canceled. That couldn't have come at a worse time for Walter Anderson. His father died, and after that, Walter's health became even worse from lingering bouts of malaria, all of which exacerbated his ongoing depression as much as the curse of the widgets that he was forced to produce to survive. Then it all came crashing down as the walls closed in on one of Mississippi's most famous artists in 1937. Back to that in a moment. He did survive. History shows the light at the end of the tunnel was about four years later when he moved to Gaucher, a country estate of Agnes's father, 
Walter felt it was a release from the prison of the Widgets. He painted with oils, with watercolors. He experimented with different drawing methods. He produced illustrations for his books. And for a while, things were looking up for Walter. But still, years after coming to grips with the juxtaposition of joy or job, painting or profits, Walter finally had the answer. He left everything and everyone behind, bundled his brushes, packed his paintings, and moved back to the simple cottage at Shearwater on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Ironically, the same place where the dreaded curse of the widgets began. And there he lived and celebrated the joys of painting for the last 17 years of his life. In that solitude, Walter Anderson had only himself to answer to. There was some compromise. He succumbed to the reality of using his talents part-time as a pottery artist, but only because it provided him the income to withdraw from humanity. During long excursions in a simple rowboat, from Ocean Springs, 14 miles away, to Horn Island. Pure meditation. There, he found his paradise. He lived in the most primitive of conditions. Most of the people who knew him in and around Ocean Springs just called him Bob. Walter liked to call himself the Islander. Many times on the beautiful but desolate Horn Island, when darkness stole the light away and stilled his brushes, he could be found sleeping underneath his overturned boat as cover. It didn't matter, because he was always surrounded by his painting subjects, all recorded in priceless works, all on canvas in radiant watercolors. Before he died in 1965, Walter Anderson made good on his dreams to bicycle with the freedom of a curious child. Quoting him, he once said, A bicycle seems to leave no room for other evils. He would know. Walter took bicycle rides that accumulated thousands of miles abroad in China, in Costa Rica, at home from New Orleans to New York, Florida to Texas, all chronicled in vivid details of logbooks as only Walter Anderson could describe. Future generations will continue to know the story of Walter Anderson's life on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, even if an epic storm named Katrina tried to take it away. As many of you know, in 2005, some priceless treasures from watercolors and manuscripts were destroyed, and the very building constructed to safely protect them from the past experience of Hurricane Camille, August 17, 1969. Walter Anderson was an exceptional Mississippian, whose talents would have never been known had he not shaken the curse of the widgets. From a 2007 documentary, here's a bit of insight into their father's genius. Insight offered by his son, John and his daughter Mary. He moved with the seasons. He moved with the sun and the moon and the tide. He didn't accept any kind of limitations, any kind of restrictions on his time and behavior. He had incredible technique. He drew like an angel and he could handle watercolor as though it was coming out of his fingers, you know. But for him, painting was an entirely personal thing. He looked at images and he translated them into art as naturally as he digested food. In fact, he uses that metaphor again and again. This is like food for me. He believed, I think, that further down the road he would find the enlightenment he sought. And this is a religious quest as well as an aesthetic quest. No one in Ocean Springs knew that the town eccentric with his mismatched clothing and paint-stained hands, was quietly creating artwork that would be celebrated in the years to come. Even his family was surprised by what they found when they opened the door to his small cottage. There, 
Behind a padlocked door hidden away from the world was the story of one of America's most enigmatic and passionate artists. It was a surprise to all. Upon his death, when the family paid a visit to the cottage, they found in what was called the Little Room, his innermost sanctum. Walter's murals told the story of his beloved Gulf Coast on all four walls. And by the way, that room has been detached and is now a treasured exhibit at the Walter Anderson Museum of Art in historic downtown Ocean Springs, a museum that you must visit. That's good to hear the story of Walter Anderson, who ultimately won the battle of spending his one life on Earth winning out doing what he felt he was meant to do. And the lesson learned for all of us is that it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. Fewer people know this, but Walter's inward battle between those pivotal years, suffering the curse of the widgets from 1938 to 1940, found him with frequent trips to the middle institution at Mississippi State Hospital in Jackson. And oh, something else about Walter. While he was a patient at the middle hospital, he once decided to escape which he did. Walter Anderson tied his bed sheets together, he threw them from an open window, and he climbed out. When Walter scaled down the building, as he descended, he paused to make the mental institution a little bit better place by drawing pictures of birds on the hospital's brick wall using a bar of soap. Walter Inglis Anderson. He passed away at the age of 62, but not before he won the battle of passion over profits. And he did that by putting an end to the curse of the widgets, all with the help of a bit of Mississippi magic. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.